Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. We are just a couple of weeks away from Christmas and we are here to talk you through all of the big Scottish rugby news and the gifts that have been bestowed on us by World Rugby this week. We will be diving into the world of NFTs to save the finances of World Rugby. How fucking exciting is that? Matt, how are you doing, buddy? you excited about Christmas? Yeah, I think so. If I can get a, a wee NFT in my inbox on Christmas Day from courtesy of World Rugby, then I'll be a happy man. If, it's, if you wake up, check your inbox, and Alan Gilpin is just like slid in with like a um, Chris Patterson NFT. How good would that be? Yeah, that, that would be really good. Kind of like a, a Dan Parks movement or something. Ooh, Dan Parks would be very good. Alan, who would you have on your um, World Rugby uh, minted NFT on Christmas Day? Just, just wake up, check your phone, Christine JPEG. Chris slips into the inbox thank you very much perfect oh christmas they're gonna make what about, so what about much the, money the daryl marfo oh oh that, yeah. yeah that's like uh charizard that's like the top level <laughs> nft right <laughs> that would be so so good well we're back there's uh, been a couple of weeks of rugby since we did a pod couple of wins for edinburgh and glasgow have been going all right as well and we are looking forward to a big weekend of european rugby so we're going to count through a little bit of news um first and then we're going to get into a little bit of a look back at the last few weeks um and almost like the sort of the first block of the urc and have a bit of a review of how edinburgh and glasgow 
have been getting on. A little bit of a reminder, if it is your first time um, listening to the Thistle, welcome along. You can also find us on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod. Get over on Instagram, Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod, and sign up to our newsletter, um, which drops in your inbox first thing on a Monday morning. That's on Substack, Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast, and there's a great wrap-up of all of the weird and wonderful things going on in Scottish rugby. So let's kick it off with a little bit of news. And Matt, I'll come to you first on this one. Jordan Venter, the absolute um, stacked hunk that signed for Edinburgh from South Africa, um, aged just 17, has um, moved to Bath, it has been announced this week, without um, ever really troubling uh, an Edinburgh shirt. I think he got a couple of games for Watsonians along the way. Um, but Matt, quite an interesting um, development because when he was brought over, it was relatively high profile. He was a sort of a, an interesting signing. I mean, is this a f- sort of a sign of a, a little bit of a failure in the sort of the SRU's policy of looking for young South Africans to bring over early? Yeah, I mean, I suppose he was signed by Cockrell slash the SRU and the fact that Mike Blair has come in now and is playing a different style of rugby and it seems as if Venter's approach was pretty direct. He maybe just doesn't fit. And you look at the Edinburgh squad, um, Cammy Hutchinson, who obviously has just signed a new contract, seems to be highly rated. James Lang is more in Blair style. You've got Christine, who still can't even sort of break through for a start. You've got George Taylor, Henry Immelman. It, I suppose he was looking for game time. Bath have offered him it. You know, makes a lot of sense. I think in terms of the the overall kind of signing strategy, yeah, I, I suppose you could argue that it would make more sense for those resources to be directed to a younger player. But I think it was maybe worth a a shot you never know what he might have turned out to be like and I, I don't imagine they were sort of paying him that much as a young guy he might have been a more of a kind of academy type contract you've also got the, the one player that seems to sort of come through and Mike Blair's a, a fan of is Matt Curry who yeah probably is someone that at the start of the season we didn't think would be sort of regularly starting for Edinburgh but yeah as you said just ultimately the number of centres that Edinburgh have in their books, I can't imagine it was a, it was a big issue kind of when, when Venter got, when they got the offering from Bath. Tooney's a, Tooney's a big fan of Matt Curry as well. Cause he was in that first wider autumn squad. He went to that sort of two day camp in like the middle of October before the tongue again. Mm. Yeah. It was quite an interesting guy. I mean, I thought um, Jordan Venter's statement at Bath read like a, read like a hostage statement. He was like, this is where I want to be situated. Which I thought was a phenomenal yeah, turn that. of phrase. <laughs> apparently, apparently, Bath had tried to sign him beforehand. They claimed like a year ago or something. It didn't work. To be fair, so if you look on his Instagram, like him. his his he is so athletic on his Instagram. It's unbelievable. You look at him, you're like he looks like a pro rugby player. Uh, question for you: I was thinking about this week. Is a Jordan Venter probably has the best rig in schoolboy rugby history. And then yep. B, what do you think Finn Russell could do if he had Jordan Venter's rig? Especially when you we were the recent photos of him coming out from the Racing Metro photo shoot where his rig's looking particularly sort of out of shape. Poor. I he wouldn't he wouldn't be as good, man, you know. It's, do you not think he, do, he, do you, 
oh no no it's the fact he eats five guys and stuff you know like a, a happy finn is a you know a contented finn is a, a good performer on the pitch you know would be so much better <laughs> yeah i would love to a b test it like what is if, if like finn just for like a year got on like the 300 workout program <laughs> And like became this like at, like just roided up and became this beast. Would his how much or how detrimental would that be to his overall game? Someone it's like Dan Carter, yeah, Dan Carter was like a proper athlete, and Johnny Wilkinson was also him, a very proper athlete. But even say Carter is maybe verging more on a Finn style player because he was a great attacker. So what what harm could it do? It's never going to happen, clearly, though. It's never, never, ever going to happen. But another physical um, athlete has been uh, signed by Glasgow second row. um, JP Dupria has signed for Glasgow next season from Sale, standing in at a diminutive six foot, ten and a half inches and a mere 122 stone. Alan, looks on the face of it like a pretty good piece of business for a Glasgow team that's often been out-muscled at the sort of the top ends of um, Europe or the, the sort of the end stages of the Pro 14? No, I think, I think it's a good bit of business. I think hopefully it sort of comes alongside kind of um, Richie Gray and Harley who do sort of offer something a little bit different but probably don't have that sort of proper heft that someone like Dupree can give you. And I think, you know, ultimately one of the additional benefits is whilst I think generally he's obviously a relatively quality second row, I think sadly for him, he's he's from South Africa, which ultimately has you know, the greatest depth of second row in the history of Test rugby. So ultimately, he's probably going to ha- be at Glasgow and not for the majority of his sort of contract, rather than kind of going away to have to play in the rugby championship or having to go away for sort of the autumn internationals. I, I think he's a bit of an upgrade for Glasgow as well because I think, I think although Richie Gray played reasonably well against the Dragons. I don't think he has hit the heights that we are all expecting, or maybe he's like fulfilled some of those like concerns. Um, and I just think Glasgow can do better than Harley. And I think we need to maybe start to try and like move on a bit from, from those kind of guys. Um, and I've only seen him play in, in patches for, for sale, but he's reasonably highly rated and, I think the fact that they, the main reason they got rid of him was because of the EQP stuff is is quite telling. Yeah, and good that Glasgow is sort of getting out getting out the blocks um, early and sorting out their business for the new season already. Incidentally, um, the average height of someone in Scotland is five foot eight, so he is one a whole one foot two and a half inches taller than your average Scotsman. So he's going to look he's going to stand out. Is that look, what average height of a male? A male, yeah. Oh, uh, really? You, you, such a, such a Alan, you're, Alan, you're above average. Don't listen to anybody. Look. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to look very, very good walking down Socky Hall Street. So we will look forward to the arrival of JP Dupree next year. Um, and a little bit of uh, news um, out of Edinburgh. Cammy Hutchinson, the centre, has re-signed. Um, it was quite a lot of fanfare. I think Cammy's done... A, Good work for a young man, but the, the way the press release announced it, and Alan, let me know if you agree with this, that Edinburgh have been handed a massive boost ahead of their trip to Saracens by re-signing Cammy Hutchison. Did you, did you feel that boost as an Edinburgh ultra? Do you think, do you think Saracens are chatting about it? They're like, oh no, 
they've got they've been boosted i think so yeah i think so yeah it's, it, it was in, it's just an injury obviously cammy hutchinson young player showing up well and then they were like how can we link this to the match that we've got coming up and it's just like <laughs> you didn't need to do that they are yeah. two separate things that are both happening and do not need to be brought together into one phrase. <laughs> Although, does, do you think it, I mean, we'll come on to talk about the Saracens game. Do you think Cammy Hutchison might be playing? Look, potentially, I guess, you know, if we, if we do sort of shift onto it, I guess th- there's a question for Blair, which is, you know, how much do you want to target the, the Challenge Cup? You know, given the fact that they're obviously... You know, second in the United Rugby Championship. You know, there's a chance they're going to a win their pool and sort of get to sort of the the knockout stages. You know, is there value potentially in you know not putting kind of the seconds down, but taking out a few of kind of those really key players? So people like you know someone like Bradbury, who with Bill Matta out, is probably going to be massively important, especially kind of over kind of the the Christmas and New Year period. Do you sort of take them out and sort of go down with maybe, you know, about half your first team with people like kind of Cammy Hutchison, Jack Blaine, etc., kind of um, filling in the gaps where necessary? Got to say, it might be a risk because you would think Saracens, do you think they will want to go on and win the Challenge Cup as a sort of just a little bit of a stamp on that they are, they're back in a serious outfit again? Um. Possibly. I'm looking at the rest of the group as well. London Irish, Poe. Wouldn't be surprised if Poe bin it off. London Irish are kind of maybe in a similar position to Edinburgh, pushing for playoffs in the Premiership. Put out some youngsters. I, yeah, I, I don't really know. Um, should be interesting, though. It'd be interesting. I guess like all the teams in theory, you know, potentially have a rationale for not taking the Challenge Cup too seriously um you know ultimately for for saracens clearly you know they're wanting to focus on getting back into that sort of top four and i guess for a club like saracens who just has obviously that history of success in the champions cup you know ultimately it's kind of they're just not gonna i can't imagine internally they're gonna care that much about um about winning the challenge cup i might be wrong so i I generally think there's a potentially high chance that we see a slightly weakened Edinburgh team and a potentially sort of weakened Saracens team this weekend. That, that'll be shame. And we will be seeing it, seeing it live. We're going to the Stone X Stadium. Quick sidebar. Worst name for a stadium, Stone X or Dam Health? Stone X Stadium. The, at least Dam Health like, can be you know, Edinburgh or Murrayfield. It kind of runs okay, but it's the Stone X Stadium Barnet that I think makes it sound <laughs> even worse <laughs> in the absolute arse end of nowhere as well. So difficult to get to. It's so but difficult to get to. It's a good, it's a good stand to be fair. It's, it's good fun there. But we're in the, we're in the, we're down with the, down with the kids. We're in, we're in the sort of the standing area looking forward to it. Very expensive. Are we, sta- are we standing? Oh dear. We're standing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's because like the cheapest, like, well, when, when we decided to buy the tickets, like the cheapest sitting seats were like 60, 70 quid. And it was just like, I just don't know whether Saracens Edinburgh Challenge Cup is worth that amount of money. <laughs> the the, the, the hospitality inquiry never came back, did it? No. So, yeah. 30, but even then, £30 to stand for, um, it's, it's, it's punchy. 
But um, no, obviously we went before for, to watch Glasgow get absolutely pumped sort of about four years ago. And it, to be fair, if it's a nice day, it's a pretty great setup. It is. It absolutely is. I mean, what Edinburgh, you know, off the back of a, a very good win at the weekend, um, bonus point win against um, Benetton, showing some nice touches, some good tries. Flying highs, you've touched on Alan, second in, in the URC, sort of just behind Leinster. I mean, Matt, what, what do you think we can expect from an Edinburgh team going, going down this weekend? Well, I think that Edinburgh's style actually is quite suited to um, potentially beating Saracens. And what I mean by that is if we were trying to beat them up and, and take them on up front, I just I don't know if Glasgow or Edinburgh are ever really going to achieve that. Um, and you look at some of Glasgow's trips down to Saracens recently, and I think they've got a they've in a few games got like a reasonable amount of change out of really going for it and taking on Saracens and trying to play the game at a high tempo. So I think in that regard, the way that Edinburgh has been playing recently suits this match quite well. Um, you know, as we said, it might depend on what sort of team we see, because if Saracens put out their big guns, then I can see a situation where Edinburgh hold on for a bit and then are just overcome by their power, by Itoji, Vunapola's, you know, maybe Farrelly playing, I don't know. Um, so I think it'd be, in the end, a pretty tough day at the office. Alan, you signing up to that? No, I think it's, um, I think it's a relatively sort of fair, fair assessment. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, specifically, just on both sides, I guess, even with a few sort of um, changes, you know, that Saracens pack still relatively sort of com- combative and, you know, can, it'll be interesting to see you know, how someone potentially like a Jamie Hodgson, um, um, Crosby, etc. It'd be nice to mm. see people like them have really big games away from home against, against a Saracens outfit. Cause I think, you know, Crosby and Hodgson, at the start of the season have shown sort of glimpses again of their sort of ability to sort of step up into that kind of probably like next phase of their their career being sort of like a solid club club player and I think this is probably a particularly good opportunity for um to sort of demonstrate that also um get a sort of a hit out against uh, Callum Hunter Hill for, for I was a lot just of those I was boys. just thinking that I was just Revenge. thinking that yeah could be a Hunter Hill Swinson row that'd be really good Swinson genuinely, if he hadn't like retired three years ago and then played for London Scottish, I genuinely think he would have been called up in the autumn internationals. <laughs> it's just like somehow <laughs> sort of like developed a second career that just sort of I, I still think kind of happens under the radar. Yeah, I mean everyone at Saracens loves him. Yeah, yeah. Like, he was like players' player of the year last year, and like when people are talking about him in interviews, they're talking about him like. Being like the perfect foil for like marriage. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Or Toji and stuff like that. It's incredible. I don't know what he's nice. doing. Nah. But yeah. So no, I'm... Look- Looking forward to it, and um, looking forward to the trip. I hope that I haven't looked at the weather. Actually, it looks uh, really bad. Ah, <laughs> oh, good, good. It's quite a big. Um, I think it'd be interesting to see how Blair Kinghorn goes if he is selected at ten, which I expect he will be, because I think he's done well so far, but ultimately against like not the best opposition. Um, probably like Benetton is the most difficult team he's played against. So it'd be interesting to see how he goes in a game where maybe a bit more control is needed rather than running everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a good point, actually, Matt. We have, before we sort of move on from Edinburgh, I think second in the league, I mean, it was Rob Robertson dedicated his page in the mail um, earlier this week saying that we shouldn't be getting overexcited about this Edinburgh team because they haven't played anyone good yet. Do you sort of buy into that or do you think this is a really impressive Edinburgh team, Alan? Sorry, that's my mute. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, ultimately, they haven't played a particularly sort of um, fantastic set of teams at the start of the season. You know, they've seven of their three of their seven games have been against Italian opposition, and and whilst I appreciate that Benetton are the reigning Rainbow Cup champions, they're still not that great. And then you've got two two at home against South African teams. I think at home against Scarlets and away to Dragons. So I think if we, I think ultimately, where they are now is probably slightly above where they, they wanted to be. But probably it's not exactly a demonstration that they've completely sort of cr- crushed the sort of start of this season. So I think it's a good start, but where I wouldn't go as far as sort of Rob Robertson did. But I think it's a fair point to say that they've potentially not been fully tested against a top quality club side and it's it's interesting we were sort of chatting about it earlier but I think if you look at their their sort of season they've obviously got a bit of a hard patch sort of December January where they've got kind of Glasgow and then they've got Munster and Ospreys and Cardiff and then they've not actually got Leinster or Ulster until sort of April May so again it's, it sort of feels like the next sort of six weeks is a really sort of key period for for Edinburgh both in terms especially in terms of you know, that URC position but yeah it's um it'd be interesting how they do I I'm still not I think with both Edinburgh and Glasgow and interesting your thoughts I feel like there's been sort of hints of both have the ability to you know beat people on their day but there's still sort of massive question marks about both teams and what their ability is you know ultimately to compete with I think if you look at the URC it's ultimately Leinster Munster and Ulster right yeah I think so and I think with Edinburgh, I mean, fair play to them. They managed to string together some really great results whilst rotating the team a lot. And, you know, I think the fact, particularly against the Dragons away, which I appreciate is not the highest level of opposition, made a lot of changes. And it seemed as if people 
slotted in really well. But it's just difficult to tell, I think, how good Edinburgh are because I don't think we quite know what Mike Blair's best team is. But but if you think about them putting out like a full noise team, they've still got a pack that can compete with most and some like really exciting players in the back. So I think if they go full noise, like they they should be pretty like a pretty big threat. I guess that is you know ultimately, especially in the back line. I don't think we have a clear view on what Mike Blair's sort of you know if it was a knockout match, all players available. Not one hundred percent clear who Mike Blair would choose. Potentially Velicott, Darcy Graham, but even then, I'm still not one hundred percent clear whether right now he would choose Kinghorn at, at ten. Um, and what that sort of I think you would. I think you, you would. You think would? Lang think maybe so. at, at twelve. Lang. But I guess ultimately like, the point is, yeah, we, we're sort of saying he's had this sort of stretch of seven games, probably on average a little bit lower in difficulty versus your average URC game, has done a relatively kind of vast amount of rotation amongst the squad, and has sort of come out with five wins, one draw, one loss, and hopefully is closer to kind of nailing down what that sort of starting. 15 team would be for the knockout match versus Ulster, right? So that's that's Edinburgh. Obviously, um, as we say, we will be there at the Stonex Stadium on Saturday. So if you see if you see us uh, if you see us down there, if you know what we look like, come over and say hello. We will be down at the sideline. Matt, are you still planning on wearing your um, fez, your um, Saracens fez? I don't know. Is that not being cancelled yet? I don't know if that's culturally appropriate. But I think I don't think you should actually, Matt. I think it would be offensive. It's been full, full burnt orange Edinburgh kit. We do have that um, signed Chris Dean shirt from that we that we won by sponsoring him. What have you got that? Yeah, I've got that. Yeah, it's a two XL. So I think Alan. Why don't we? Um, why don't we? Why don't we bring it along on Saturday and do some sort of forfeit, and the loser has to wear it to the match? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll bring it. With, I'll bring it with me. Yeah. To be fair, I, you know, whilst obviously I would normally be insulted by the comment around the 2XL, my general understanding is the Macron kits are naturally quite tight. So yeah. probably quite happy that it's a double XL. It's, 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 it is absolutely massive. It's, oh, really? uh, it is, it's huge. I've got it over the bed. My wife's like, oh, it looks terrible. But I'm like, it's not coming down. The Christine shirt stays on. <laughs> it's not even framed. It's just like hanging off a nail. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I got those the picture frame nails just like nailed in. It's yeah. great. Yeah. It goes really nicely with the photo of Christine I've got on the side of the bed as well. But anyway, um, we should talk a little bit about Glasgow um, as well. Who have, They beat the Dragons last weekend, starting... Um, Debut for Josh Mackay, um, making his first start for, for Glasgow in what looks like they're getting their act together a little bit um, in the starting 15. I mean, Matt, what, what have you made of Glasgow so far um, this season and then in that, in that victory at the weekend? I think when it clicks for Glasgow, they look really good. And talked about it in the newsletter this week, like particularly in the backs, the, the amount of talent they have there now with. Mackay obviously arriving with Rufus McLean, Conciliere, Stain, uh, to Pelotu. Like, they've got some serious attacking ability. Um, and I think some of the other signings, like Jack Dempsey in particular, has looked 
really good, even when Glasgow have looked poor. But ultimately, like some of the losses that they've had, particularly that Benetton game, it's it's maybe like difficult to look past that. And I think, you know, obviously it happened last year as well. And if it happened once, you could maybe write it off. But it does seem to be something that creeps into their game. Um, and I think one of the one of the disappointing things with Glasgow is when things go wrong, it it seems to be the older heads that aren't able to calm things down or lead the team out of out of difficulty. Um, I think you know the likes of your, your Gray, Harley, Weir. I, I just don't think have really stepped up in those situations. So I think there's still a lot of question marks around Danny Wilson. And I wonder if there's a slight sense that that a, a different coach might be able to get a little bit more out of the talent that's in the squad. But currently sitting pretty fifth, well, relatively pretty fifth in the in the league in the URC. Alan, could could be worse? It definitely could be worse. I I think you know ultimately Glasgow have been pretty inconsistent this year and a sort of that spectrum I think of performances was I think Edinburgh's sort of performances are all sort of cluster around a sort of similar mark of probably like between sort of like six and eight it's so like Edinburgh sort of ranges between sorry Glasgow sort of ranges between like two and nine and it's sort of just like <laughs> their ability in terms of sort of like the performances they're sort of bringing in can sort of range quite quite rapidly and I wonder whether I know sort of Ryan Wilson didn't play in that Benetton game I just wonder sort of how important someone like that is to this to this team where they potentially do lack a little bit of leadership quality. He's he's been the exception in terms of the older guys, yeah. which I don't think I would be saying. Like he seems to have played really well. Also, a real roast. Well, maybe it was his own fault, it might have been out in the lash that the Barbarians game was cancelled. So I can't think he was gonna cap from Barbarians. Yeah, it's a real shame. <laughs> I know. Do you hear he was saying that um that Nico like flew across from like was like flying across like Montauban and like turned up at the stadium and was like outside trying to get in and was like calling him like asking him like where everyone was and they were like oh the game's cancelled mate <laughs> it was something ridiculous which I mean does just show kind of how obviously completely mental the whole situation was um, but apparently they had, uh, extension on that they got the Barbarians got to a stage where they had 23 men um, that w- that could have played, and Samoa had a team as well. It was the it was the RFU or the, or the Twickenham authorities that that binned it off. Yeah, but it was interesting. It, it sort of just shows you sort of how ineffective sometimes like lateral flow tests could be. They were like, yeah, Baba's team was doing like two lateral flow tests a, a day, all came negative apart from one that came up positive, and then they did a round of PCR tests, and like four of them were positive. <laughs> so it's um. But yeah, I don't know. Such such a difficult one. But no, obviously gutty for him that he wasn't gonna, he wasn't able to sort of captain the Bambas. I mean, it's pretty sort of illustrious group to sort of be a part of. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Glasgow got they're heading to La Rochelle this weekend. An absolute monstrous team, Matt. Do you hold out much hope for for Glasgow? You look at how well La Rochelle have done in recent seasons, obviously beating the finalists last year, and you look at the players that they can bring to the contest in terms of Skelton, Antonio, um, Kevin Grudon, those kind of players. Like 
it looks like a pretty difficult task. But I think to be fair to Glasgow, they've in recent years have a pretty good record when they're slightly under the cosh and like the, the underdogs. Uh, and the last time they played them in 2019 at La Rochelle, they they beat them. So, I mean, I, I think you do look at that Glasgow team and it had likes of Johnny Gray, Hastings, Tommy Seymour. You know, like, I think this Glasgow team is slightly different to that. So I, I, I think that La Rochelle will win it, but I'm not completely writing off Glasgow. Alan, do you think Glasgow will give you a birthday present with a, a wee win? I know. I did actually just notice that. I was like, oh, that's a n- nice little sort of like mid-afternoon birthday treat. Just sort of <laughs> hand Freya over and be like, this is my time now. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think ultimately, I think La Rochelle are going to be away is definitely like a, a bit of a step too far for this team. Again, you know, ultimately it'd be interesting from a Glasgow standpoint to see how much they sort of target the Champions Cup. Again, do they put out their sort of full team or do they hold anything back for that sort of late December, sort of January kind of keep key part of the URC calendar. Um, but at the same time, I don't think Glasgow, I'd like to think don't have the team at the moment where they're going to get completely wiped off the pitch. So I'm probably, if I, if I have to predict, which I, as part of this podcast, I do, um, I would, I reckon you're looking at like a 50 to 20 point loss, but like something like a, you know, like a 35, 20, 35, 18, maybe. Quite high scoring then. And and what about for the Edinburgh game? Get out while you're doing predictions. Why don't you give us one then? Obviously it's so difficult because obviously it's still not clear in terms of how both teams are going to approach it. But I think ultimately Saracens at home are just going to have a little bit too, too much. So I actually think it'd be quite tight. But looking at you know something in the region of like a nineteen fourteen, a little bit lower scoring. Something in the tighter. region of nineteen fourteen is a really really specific uh, <laughs> specific <laughs> landing area. <laughs> you know, like a little bit more low scoring than your um, La Rochelle Glasgow match, and a little bit sort of tighter in score. I guess ultimately to the point, just looking at the weather, you know, eighty percent chance it's going to be pouring with rain on Saturday. Appreciate yeah. it's a sort of four G pitch, but I guess I wonder how Edinburgh. How that that feels like it maybe slightly plays into Edinburgh's hands. Do you think? Well, possibly. I, I think guess, if the weather's bad, if the weather's bad, it would play into Saracen's hands, right? I guess maybe I'm still too sort of focused around kind of the old Edinburgh and that sort of more sort of forward orientated game plan. Whereas obviously with Mike Blair's team, a little bit more fast flowing. I guess it's you know, argument if it's raining, would you potentially consider even starting someone like Pergos? Although I think it's, I, I don't mm. think you can just because I think Velikot has just been so strong in that nine position for for Edinburgh. If it's going to be raining, it definitely does change my opinion on the Fez. Keep your head, keep your head dry. <laughs> I think maybe it is a Fez. I don't know. I have to think I about have, that. Do you know what? I actually do have a burnt orange like waterproof top, completely disassociated with Edinburgh. Just I actually personally chose. <laughs> buy a burnt orange <laughs> waterproof jacket so i might actually whip that out of the cupboard for the weekend that's gonna look good yeah is um is um is yako injured or is he kicking around my i'm understanding is yako is kicking around although savela obviously came off the bench 
at the weekend or was kind of the bench cover uh, last weekend. Um, yeah, I don't really get. I don't really get that guy. Savala. Yeah, I don't really get Charlie Savala. Blair, yeah. but I don't. Blair doesn't like Jacko or doesn't seem to rate Jacko too highly. Is the vibe I'm getting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wonder whether you bring Jacko in for the, for this match, given both the kind of the importance of it in the grand scheme of things of this season, but also if you do decide to not play Kinghorn, <laughs> it feels like starting Savala in the rain away to Saracens. <laughs> oh when I think he's literally like what started one professional rugby match in his entire life. That feels a little bit of a step too far. Yeah, agreed. It, it certainly does. Well, as I say, Edinburgh fans um, and Saracen fans, look, if you're listening to us as well, uh, we will be down at the Stone Axe, Fortress Stone Axe on, uh, on Saturday. Very much looking forward to that. To the rest of you, we will be back with uh, a pod next weekend, sort of looking back at next week, sorry, looking back at the European fixtures and look out for that newsletter on uh, Monday morning. One, one thing I guess keen to get your sort of thoughts on is when we've chatted about it a little bit is Super 6 and the fact that a lot um, of those... Can I stop you there because a client has just arrived at my office and I need to go. <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely fine. Uh, it's, it, it is now the working day. I need to give, get, yeah. I need to get into yeah. it. <laughs> Agreed. So let's save our conversations about the Super 6 <laughs> until another time. As, as a cliffhanger there for the pod, we will talk about the Super 6 another day. <laughs> Very fair. What was I going to say? We don't know. We will never ever Tune in know. next week. Tune in next week, guys. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.